Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Music Podcast, number 49. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I just finished working with the band Alley Eyes yesterday with their last production session. These are a great group of musicians that are going to be heading into the recording studio very soon to do their four-song EP. Really proud of the hard work they've put in, and I can't wait to hear how the recorded tracks turn out. As soon as that is finished... I'm lucky enough to mix the songs, which I am also excited to do as well. When you get a chance to go hear some live music, go check out this new band, Alley Eyes. I hope you enjoyed our last Monday episode with Marta Hansen, also known as Piano Gal. She is another talented Wisconsin musician. She performs mostly 90s grunge style with other genres sprinkled in. Also, the next wave of holidays are coming up quickly. If you are a Wisconsin artist and you have holiday songs you want to showcase, please send them in for the Holiday Music Showcase episode that will be airing on December 20th. Please send your song files, not links, but song files to wisconsinmusicpodcast at gmail.com and put Winter Holiday Showcase in the email subject. WAV files are best, but high-quality MP3s work as well. I know there are Halloween and Thanksgiving-based songs, and if I receive enough of those, I'll make an episode for those as well. One last thing before we get into the podcast. Wisconsin Music Podcast t-shirts and hoodies are now on the Wisconsin Music Podcast website for pre-order, so you can get them before Thanksgiving. So check that out at wisconsinmusicpodcast.com. This week we have Alternate Radio, and their drummer and lead singer, Peyton Stark, is going to be talking to us about his beginnings um, and how he got to where they are now with his group, Alternate Radio. They're a punk-based band, and I was actually um, got to hear them play at the Battle of the Bands out in Watertown earlier this year. Great group of musicians, great group of guys, and let's just get right into the conversation with Peyton Stark. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. So why don't you kind of give us a little history on the group? Okay, uh, the group started... I believe it was 2019 at my university uh, called Judson University. It's in Elgin. So we, I mean, I'm from Milwaukee, but I was in school near Chicago and we started there. It was an art school. So it was me, a kid who was in the grad program for uh, architecture. And then my high school buddy uh, from here in Milwaukee would drive up every weekend we practice but uh most for a while it was mostly just recording we play a few college shows but we didn't really have time to play many shows because we were it was weird it was like half the band was here 
and the other half is in Chicago. Okay. So it's really hard to get things going for that. And then, uh, obviously, when the pandemic was going on, we couldn't really play much. So we focused on our debut album, The Hell in a Handbasket. And then finally, we started being able to play shows. And I'd say for about a year and a half, we've been able to do shows steadily. Very cool. And what about your your music origin story? How did you get into music? Yeah, uh, ever since I was really young, I would say I was always into music, probably more than the average kid. I started when I was four, just being super into music. I'd walk around with one of those little CD players in my house, <laughs> just listen to music all day. Uh, I, I always wanted to be a guitarist, but <laughs> I don't know. I was... I was never good at music theory, so I kind of did that for about a year, gave up, and then kind of put it aside. And then when I was about 10, I started to play drums, and that's what I do now for the band. And then this the whole singing thing was kind of weird, because I had never really sung before and was never really comfortable with my voice. Yeah. But uh, I had tried to start a few bands in college, and I actually had... I guess you could call it a band that never really went anywhere, but a group in college before I started alternative radio where I was playing guitar and singing. Yeah. And that was just because no one else wanted to sing. So I kind of, this whole singing thing just ended up because I could never find someone who wanted to sing. So I kind of forced myself to do it and figure it out. Yeah. So is, do you feel any like limitations or as a drummer, Sometimes it's hard for you to be the singer at the same time. Do you find that as a challenge or is it something that kind of feels comfortable to you? Yeah, definitely. At first, uh, I found it really hard to do both. I would even sometimes find my singing to almost have a rhythm that matched the drumming. Mm -hmm. Just like a weird thing that before my mind was used to doing to multitasking and doing both. It kind of was like a mental hurdle that I had to get all over. Yeah. It was almost easier to play guitar and sing than drum for a while, even though I was had played drums for a longer time and was much better at drums. It was just a weird thing at first. But now it's almost easier to drum and sing just because you have more control of the band. Mm -hmm. Like if you're playing a song, we're pretty loose with our playing, so sometimes we'll kind of throw it into a solo or something that we didn't necessarily plan in practice yeah but being on the drums it allows me to kind of control where the music is headed musically so i have more control of that whereas we do one song normally on the end it's a stooges cover where i go out front and i'm not playing drums i don't know i just find it easier to sing when you have some control of where the music is going instrumentally okay and then do you find that you're the one that usually is a songwriter for the group or is it mostly everybody collaborating together? Yeah, I would say most of the time we start in the basement with me and our guitarist, Aaron, and he lives like a block away. So he'll come over all the time and he'll just pull out or if maybe he's been working on that week and thought was interesting, then I'll grab a piece of paper and try to write for like 10 minutes, even if I just get a chorus or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'll normally add drums to that and try to figure out the best way to sing it. Try to figure out melodies and stuff. Yeah. And then we'll add like 
the bass player or any other parts. But yeah, it's it's fairly organic how it happens. But I would say I write the majority of the lyrics and then I kind of let everyone pick what they want to do for their instrument. Kind of give four into that. And what topics do you usually cover when you're writing lyrics? What what kind of draws you to writing them down? Yeah. Um honestly a lot of times what I do is kind of a thing I've started to do with songwriting when I can't come up with a topic, I'll take a, like I have a fairly decent vinyl collection. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll go through and find a song title. And then, especially on songs that I might not know as well. And I kind of like think, what do I think this song would be about? Or how would I have wrote this song? Or I just find like a lyric in the song kind of based on that. Mm -hmm. But also a fair amount. I've kind of learned that you have to every once in a while write, I don't know, just your basic love song or breakup song. Because you can write as many interesting songs about weird topics, but that's not going to really relate with the listener. Like we have a song about, it's called Julie's Got a Gun, and it's about like a serial killer. Like that's fun and all, and someone listens to that once, but they're never really going to relate to it. And it's never going to be that song that gets them through this moment in their life or they relate to in this part of their life. You know. So you feel like you want to make sure a majority of your songs is something that someone could relate to basically. Yeah. I think that's a good thing to do. I think, I mean, we definitely write about things that aren't going to be something you relate to. I think it's important to have that here and there. Otherwise you're never going to have a song that right, takes right. off. Gotcha. And speaking of the songs that you guys have, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, you have your album that just came out. When did that come out? Um, I believe it was last. Oh, no, it was this January. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So tw 2021, January. And then, so why don't you kind of give us, get us through the whole recording process from beginning to end where you started, you know, you talked about you and your friend, meet up and start writing songs and then you decide you have enough songs then where did you go to for recording and then all the way to the like the, the album release yeah i would say or the first song julie's got a gun was actually done at national recordings in milwaukee okay and that was uh our first single ever recorded in a professional studio uh that was really interesting we quickly kind of realized that i don't know you always think you'll practice a song like 30 times a week and you'll think you're ready. And then you go in the studio, especially it being our first time ever in like a legit studio. It quickly points out any flaws you have as a musician or you kind of realize it's different to practice in your basement versus the, in a studio and there's a lot of pressure on you. Right. So that was really interesting. That actually, that visit was probably an eight hour session. And we were supposed to get two or three songs done. And we ended up only getting one. <laughs> and the guy actually told us it was a train wreck. Oh, no. Well, yeah, that was a great way to start that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this big producer. It was His name is Danny Zlonky. Okay. He he's, has credits as the producer on the, I believe it's the second Misfits album. Okay. So he's kind of a cool producer and has uh, some cool songs to his name and credits but yeah that was just 
I don't know, that was really disheartening at first. But it was a good experience. I think it really showed us where we were and kind of allowed us to grow. Um, I think our songwriting definitely has improved since that first song. And we kind of realized we had to sit down and maybe take more time when writing songs. Okay. Something we hadn't really been able to do because the distance of some people living in Milwaukee and some in Chicago. Right, right. But uh, yeah, the rest of the songs happened mostly in, I believe it was two or three sessions. Uh, the average session we'd go in and record anywhere from two to three songs. Um, actually, one, one of the sessions, I think it was one of the later ones, that has four of the songs on the album, were all done in one day. Uh, it helps because our band, for the most part, will do guitars and drums tracked together live. I believe on that, in those four songs, maybe two of them, we had the bass also tracked live. So if you do that and you get a solid take, you already have half the song recorded. Right, right. And then overdose. Yeah. Going back to, to the, the producer you were talking about, did you say that you hired him for that session or he just happened to be there at that session? Uh, that was his, I don't know if he owns the studio, but he's one of the engineers at that studio. Oh, he's one of the engineers. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. So, and like he said, was he the one that told you it sounded like a train wreck for that first song that you did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did he, was he doing it in a lighthearted way or was he being mean to you guys about it? Uh, I mean, it's, it kind of seemed like he had an off day when we got there, we kind of could tell something was up. Okay. And then, um, I mean, it was. He lightened up a lot after that later. So I'm guessing it was just an off day. Okay. And I mean, we could have been more prepared, but yeah, I don't think <laughs> he's very happy about how it was going. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Over time, you got the, the album done. So how many tracks do you have on your album? It's fairly short. I believe it's eight and then one of them is a cover. So like seven originals. Okay, cool. And like you said, it came out in January of 2000 of this year, 2021. Did you do a like a album release gig or anything? I mean, way back in January, we still didn't even have the, the vaccine or anything and people weren't really playing out. Yeah, I don't believe we did. We did. a. Oh, yeah, we did a online. OK, like I was kind of getting to Twitch for a little bit with the band an online release party or we gave away t-shirts and stuff. So we're kind of trying to be creative with all that. Okay. How did that go? Uh, it went pretty well, actually. Oh. I thought that, I don't know, you really had to be creative for a while. Cause yeah, you can, that was right when, cause early spring this year, there were some places to play, but I, that time I'm trying to remember, I don't know if we were playing at all. And even if you like could, it would, it would have been a smaller venue. Right. That wouldn't be able to play. Right. And speaking of venues, now that you're back playing in front of a live audience, where have you guys played at lately and what shows do you have coming up? Yeah, so we uh, at first we were playing a lot of West Dallas, um, Milwaukee, but I wouldn't say the trendier part of Milwaukee. Okay. Well, like, I don't know if you know or aware of Kochanski's. No, I don't think I know that one. Okay, but that it's kind of it's actually right by West Dallas. Okay, we played a lot of a place called the Bar, and then yeah, we just were playing all these venues, and then we sort of thought that 
we were playing the wrong areas. We were like, this isn't really going anywhere. Sure, we're getting a show, one or two shows every week, but I don't think these are the venues we want to be getting in. And then we kind of took a break last month to record and just kind of recuperate and find some books, some shows that we thought would actually be helpful for us. And so we're finally starting to play things like River West and uh, the East Side and just areas like that that are going to actually help us. And how's the how's the audience reaction to you out there? Yeah, that those are tend to be a lot more fun with the other venues. It seemed like it was you would bring your friends or you would just be playing to like, I don't know, 10 people, but most of them were just older patrons at the bar, but they weren't young kids that would be excited and buy a t-shirt and follow you around. Yeah. So now that we're getting these shows, we kind of feel like we're actually part of the Milwaukee scene. Whereas these other venues are kind of, we always felt like we were outside of the scene. Mm -hmm. Speaking of what you're talking about, the local scene, let's kind of talk about your perspective on the positives of it. So what kind of positives have you seen about your local scene? Yeah, I'm definitely excited about the bands. Our last two shows, we played X-Ray and Company Brewing, and I think all the acts were on the tickets were Milwaukee bands. Okay. And I was just really excited with, um, I don't know, it was really diverse. I don't think any of the bands really sounded like each other, but the bands were talking, and we all were like, I don't think there was one band that really stood out as an opening band or a closing band. And just, I don't know, all the bands involved in this seemed like they're really high quality. Yeah. I don't know if I could name one local band that was like, and I'd be like, oh, these guys, I mean, good for them. They're playing, but they aren't good. I don't think I could say that about really any bands we've played with. Even if I'm not into the bands, I don't think there's a band I could tell you that I don't think have talent aren't doing well for themselves right and you guys were at that that battle of bands was it last month or two months ago up in, yeah, in watertown yeah in watertown and i kind of felt like the same way what you're talking about that all those bands were at pretty good level they're all about the same level doing really really well everyone i thought did really excellent for the battle of the bands yeah um and if most of those bands we had played with like Scarlet Morning's no longer together, but they were big buddies of ours. Um, I believe Nile Club was in it. We just played with them at X-Ray. Okay. So yeah, also with that, I guess, is the band seemed to really, at least the bands we're playing with, seem like they want to build relationships together and help each other get on tickets, help each other play venues. Yeah. We need a band that's bigger than you. Like Wonderful Bluffers is a fairly big band over here we played one show with them and then they're like you guys are great and they have a bigger audience and it played bigger venues and they're like we really got to get you on a big stage i think you'd be ready like we want to get you guys in front of people i think that's really nice to have yeah that's excellent diamond dave photography the photography that supports local music in wisconsin and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show to contact diamond dave and see previous work check out Diamond Day Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects. For the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, 
doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. All right, back to the interview. And to flip it, what kind of struggles have you been noticing in your local scene? Yeah, I definitely think people might not be as excited in Milwaukee about local music as they may have been in the past. Uh, my dad, I wouldn't necessarily say he was part of the music scene in the 80s, but he had a few bands and he was friends with people who had gone pretty far. Yeah. Uh, friends with the guys, with the singer from Yipes, or like at least had known him. Really good friends with uh, Jay Taylor from Couch Flambeau. So he was friends with all these groups that were doing really successful. And just what he tells me about the scene, the scene seems like people had a really different attitude about local music back then. Uh, one thing I think attributes to that is the drinking age, mm-hmm. uh, not being 18 anymore. Right. Even um, I was watching a documentary the other day about 90s music, like music scene in Milwaukee. And they were even talking about it then, because I think it was early 90s, I believe, when that first was put in place. Yeah. The new age for drinking. And yeah, they just seem to be saying the same thing as uh, a lot of the bands are saying now. So it seems like the bands are really excited and the music is there. It's just we have to find a way to get the public excited about live music again. Yeah. So to, to get the younger audience members, do you think we should lower the drinking age back to 18 or should we find or have more places for all ages to attend local music? Yeah. Um, I definitely am trying to encourage more venues to do all ages. There's a few places I've talked to a little bit and some that I've gotten them to do special shows for that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Cause I know some cities don't allow that. Okay. A lot of venues have told me they can't do it. And it's simply because the city doesn't allow them to. Gotcha. But I definitely think the more venues that can find a way to do that, um, the more venues will be successful and the better the scene will do. Mm-hmm. We're realizing how many young people are really excited about music. We've done a few house shows. Um, and those were like the only events that uh, all ages people could attend. Right. And we see our attendance jump from maybe 20 people at a show with three bands to like 60 people in a basement with only three bands. Yeah. Or two bands even. Yeah. And it, it just, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just trying to, you know, it's a, it's a grassroots kind of thing. I think it's going to happen is where if people, have certain places where you can do all ages it's gonna i think eventually it's gonna organically grow to a much bigger thing yeah because i don't know there's just something about it just seems like the younger younger generation i just say that because i'm like 24 and i just see a really different attitude between people my age my age and people that are more around the age of our bass player who's uh 19 okay and i just i don't know I see this difference where young kids are really getting excited about music again. Cool. Very cool. A lot of older people around like 26 or 25 seem like it's kind of skipped 
their age group. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how even a five year difference or a six year difference makes a difference. Yeah. Did I hear you right? You said last month or you started a new recording project? Yeah. Um, we're working on our second album right now. Okay. So tell us uh, the process for this one. Yeah. So this one's we're pretty excited about. This was the first one where we decided to record with our bass player. He had just gotten a job at a smaller studio in Greenfield. Okay. And so we were really excited about that. We had done one recording at his house and we just liked that we could kind of call the shots and take our time with it. Um, but the studio allows us to have still this professional quality recording mm-hmm. while still doing it ourselves. Right. And then we, for the first time, we had called in a producer to help us with it. So that was that was really nice to have just someone to be there with us and kind of say, I don't know, I think this is a good take. Maybe do that again. Just little things like that. Gotcha. For the most part, we'd come up with our own guitar tones and stuff, but just to have someone there, we've had a lot of experience. They have a, an outside ear kind of thing. Yeah. And did you get all the the tracks recorded last month, or are you still going back to finish it up? Uh, we did two days of recording so far, and we've done uh, two singles. Okay. They were, I think, six-hour sessions. So we're kind of slowing it down, which I think is a good thing. And we'd kind of, for the first time, come into the studio with songs that were maybe half-baked. Like, we had... They were thought out in their practice, but songs that we allowed ourselves to change in the studios or write like overdubs for backing vocals and things like that. Okay. And you said you got, you did two singles. Does that mean they're done and you have them uploaded online? Uh, no, we they're done being recorded. Okay. We're working on mixing and mastering them right now. Gotcha. Cool. But the first one, Pure Hell, will be out as a single, I'm guessing, within probably a month or two. Okay. I can get it. Gotcha. I do put artist songs on the podcast. So if you're interested in putting songs from your older album on, we can implement that in here if you'd like to do that. Yeah, we can do that. Um, why don't you pick like three songs and kind of give the listeners a little history behind each one of them. And then I'll, in post-production, I'll weave it in here and there. On the road again.
my girlfriend is a communist. might be some people out there that can relate to that yeah but that's what i'm saying a lot of our earlier songs that was an earlier song um that we had written i'd actually written that with our other band when i was playing guitar okay but yeah a lot of that stuff where i don't know i'd always enjoyed punk bands how they would always have these song titles that were kind of out there and kind of tongue-in-cheek not too serious um a lot of my, our earlier songs are written in in that light but i don't know you kind of realize that some of that stuff is harder to for people to really latch on to yeah. make like a part of their life and then i guess we can do um 
Johnny was a mental case. That could be a good one. Okay. Is there any story behind that one? Um, not necessarily. We had, I probably, a lot of my early stuff too, <laughs> it always seemed to revolve around the same four topics. Uh, it's always like sniffing glue. Because I remember that Ramon song. I thought it was really funny. Okay. And then, uh, I don't know, I had a few songs I'd written that were similar to Johnny Was a Mental Case. Uh, there was one called like Head Case or something. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, but just a lot of the early writing was that kind of thing. Uh, a weird story about that, though. We, had, we were practicing Johnny Was a Mental Case. And kind of sort of by where I live at the Mayfair Mall. I don't know if you remember or if it reached you. I don't, I'm not exactly sure uh, where you live, but there was a shooting and yeah. the guy was on the loose running. I live real close. I'm probably two minutes from that mall. Okay. Like walking distance. And that guy was running around our neighborhood or not like my street, but You're like right. my neighborhood. Um, and they didn't know where he was and there wasn't much out on him at the point. So in my head, I wasn't really sure. Like, is this guy, I know it was like a fight. If it was a guy who was kind of unhinged and we were playing that song in my basement while that was going on, getting ready to record it. I'm like, wow, this is like, it was kind of like a silly story before, but now it's kind of like, I feel like the, we're playing to the guy outside. Right, right. <laughs> he's gonna be running around. He's gonna hear that. So when you yeah, was... yeah, when you played on stage, you can go. This is the song about the guy that did the shooting at Mayfair. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I just I don't know. It was weird. You felt like the guy. I don't know. You're playing in your basement. It's pretty loud. Yeah. If you happen to walk down my street, you'd probably hear it. So it was just I don't know. It's pretty surreal. Yeah, it is pretty surreal. Um. Was that three song? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. And then as I wrap this up with you, um, there's a couple more questions I'd like to ask. Um, do you have any issues with work-life balance between, you know, work and the stuff you want to do that's not at work? Yeah. Um, right now, surprisingly not. Even though I do a fair amount for the band, like, because I study graphic design and stuff. I do all that. I do all the, all the booking, uh, just a lot of the organization and stuff. But surprisingly, um, as of right now, I haven't really struggled with it. Um, it's definitely nice to be working a full-time job because you have the money to sling around for projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, surprisingly right now, we've been pretty good. Actually, well, I guess I don't know if it counts as full time because I don't work Friday right now. Yeah. So I normally have, if we have a show on Friday, I have a full day to prepare for that. And then the other guys just meet me at my house at like 530 or whatever. And we can drive down there. Cool. But right now, no, it hasn't. Um, has there ever been a gig that made a big impression on you either as uh, a performer or an audience member? Um, 
Man, I'm trying to think. I've, I've seen a lot of really cool acts. Like I saw Blondie. Um, I can't really think of a more recent gig that has necessarily like inspired me too much. But uh, when I was a kid, there was a band. I don't know if anyone really knows who they are, but Reliant K. Um, and they were kind of, kind of an alternative band, but like with the 2000 song. And I don't know, their drummer just, I kind of, he was the one who kind of got me to switch from guitar to drums when I was a kid. Yeah. And I don't know, he was, I, all I remember was he didn't have a shirt the whole time and he was playing and he probably broke like seven sticks throughout the show. Oh, wow. And he'd just be breaking them and throwing them to the crowd and then pulling <laughs> another one out. And he wouldn't even notice unless you were staring at him, watching his every motion. But yeah, yeah, I think that started me with the whole drumming craze. Cool. Um, And then lastly is who are you listening to right now? Who's on your playlist? Yeah. Um, I even say for the whole band, because we all kind of came from different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as who we listen to, our bass player is a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. And if you heard him play with his uh, other band, play guitar, you can really hear that influence. Cool. Um, and I had always been a huge fan of 70s British punk. But the band has, as a group has, I can say we all listen to a lot of Rolling Stones, um, the Stooges, um, which you can probably see a lot of influence in like the singing yeah, I do right. or if people have been to my, our shows, the stage presence and stuff we do. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know if you know Richard Hell. Mm-mm. He was kind of early, um, one of the early artists in CBGBs. Oh, okay. For some reason he doesn't get much credit. Yeah. I didn't find out about him until, uh, I think it was my freshman year of college. And I was really surprised that I inherited him. Once I had like done like the research and realized how important he was to that whole scene down there. But that's where I'd say I learned how to sing from. Cause I don't, I wouldn't say I have necessarily the prettiest voice, but he did a lot of things with his voice to kind of conceal that. Yeah. Or maybe just highlight the imperfections in his birth in his voice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I learned how to sing from him practically when, I was forcing myself to sing. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really cool. Well, Peyton, that's all the questions I have for you. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to be asked? Um, I guess just um, I could talk for a very short time about the I can start a band thing. Okay, yeah, go ahead. They've been working on. So, yeah, that's kind of something that started as a school project, but I've continued, but it kind of grew out of the frustration for some of the decline of the local Milwaukee scene. Mm -hmm. And also I just had felt like, I don't know, I listened to 88.9 or, and they, for like 80% of the time, they'd be playing artists that weren't local, but they're like our major, major uh, local station. Yeah. And just some of the local press, I felt like 
weren't focusing on the bands that I thought actually probably deserved like the attention and probably have the most, like, I don't know, they paid attention to a lot of bands that were skilled, but they didn't really have the full thing. They didn't really seem like they cared about their performances or like the way they dressed or, or didn't seem that serious about their music. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I just had started, it's a music campaign from Milwaukee that builds awareness on the local scene. There's a lot of resources on it. I have a lot, like a list of venues that people can call. It's got their numbers, um, their locations. I did a few interviews with past musicians from Milwaukee, like um, Pat McCurdy from the Yipes, who's probably one of the more notable ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and just um, some of the guys from Bonton, Color Radio, just all these big uh, local acts. And I kind of wanted to see in their perspective how what they would tell maybe a new artist what um, direction they would give them and how to start their own career so just things like that okay I just kind of wanted to build this resource for people while building awareness for our local scene and where can they find more information about this yeah so there's a website for it just I can start a band too um, dot com and um, there will be links to the YouTube page with uh, all the interviews and I had started an online zine that kind of pointed out and highlighted things going around in the scene I try to do those every like four or five months okay to just update people on what's going on and then there's a compilation a digital compilation of local releases I thought were cool which I hope to continue doing those every once in a while too. Cool. Very cool. Well, Peyton, thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin music podcast. All the things you have been talking about is really interesting. I think a lot of listeners are going to definitely check out your music and also the website you were talking about. I can start a band too. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having us. Another great episode with Peyton from alternate radio. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Next week we have pen drop poet. He's a solo indie pop act out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He's a non-binary musician and has put out four full-length albums, two for worldwide distribution, all written, performed, and produced by themselves. He has been writing music for over a decade now under the pen drop poet name, branching between the genres he grew up around, Southern rock, hip-hop, punk, pop, and folk. So check that out next Monday. Also, don't forget that we have the Friday Music Showcase coming up on, of course, Friday. If you want your music heard on our music showcase, please send an email to wisconsinmusicpodcast at gmail.com with Friday Music Showcase in the email subject. If you want to be a guest on the Monday interview portion of the podcast, please fill out the guest request form on the website and look for a follow-up email asking for all your information pertaining to your music. Check your spam or junk folder. Sometimes it lands in there. If you'd like to help support the Wisconsin Music Podcast, we now have a merch website where you can purchase hoodies t-shirts and long sleeves so if you go to our website and click on merch it'll take you to a secured site where you can help support the wisconsin music podcast and have some great merch for the upcoming warmer months especially with the hoodies and long sleeves and buy t-shirts so we can get to the summer even quicker there are multiple colors and designs so that's about it 
I hope everyone has a great week. Don't forget we have one more song from Piano Gale at the end of this podcast. Podcast theme music by Nate Wyckoff of Frequency Farm Recording Studio. Voice over by Dean Bundy. Sponsored by ZTF Studio and Diamond Dave Photography. The Wisconsin Music Podcast was created, edited, mixed, and mastered by Zach T. Fell of ZTF Studio. Okay, she was